Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. We are here to learn to earn. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode's special to me because, you know, I've, I, I talk to a lot of people every week. People call in, they write in through Facebook, they write in via email. They hear all kinds of deal examples, all kinds of different things. Lots of people are taking advantage of the Ask Tyler, uh, cashflowguys.com forward slash Ask Tyler. They get me on the phone. I can help them through the issues that they're having, get them pointed in the right direction, and I'm happy to do it. It's I enjoy reaching out to the audience and, and having a conversation with people and helping them take the steps that they need to be financially free. That's what this is all about, ladies and gentlemen. In case you're wondering, this is it's all about getting to the point to where you're financially free. And today we're going to talk about the deals are almost gone. We're going to talk about the hype in the marketplace. What's going on out there right now? What what I'm seeing happening every single day. Now, if you've been re even remotely paying attention, the current real estate market is white hot just about everywhere. Smoking hot to the touch. This is a time when many people fold and lay their cards on the table. You know, just a few months ago, deals were everywhere, right? Now, crickets. Here's the thing. People, and I get this question a lot. Is now, the, is, is now the wrong time to buy? Prices are too high. I can't get a deal, so I'm just going to wait until the market crashes. And here's my response to that. If you wait till the market crashes, first of all, trying to successfully time the market isn't going to work. Those of you that are rehabbing and you're still out there buying houses to rehab, you better turn them pretty quickly. Unless you have a big team, maybe only do one at a time. Because when the market starts to turn, you're not going to want to be holding on to a whole bunch of inventory. You're going to want to be in a position to where you can move that inventory, get it rehabbed, get it done, and, get, and, and be, be finished with it. Now, there's a lot of uncertainty in the economy. There's a lot of uncertainty what's going on in the world. We just had a, a big change in Washington. We've got a, a new president we've got a new cabinet we've got all these new things all these different things going on but let's talk about buy and hold for a second here that which is near and dear to my heart the buy and hold perspective from the buy and hold perspective there's no such thing as a bad time to buy buy and hold investments you're buying a house or a duplex apartment building mobile home park i don't care what it is as a buy and hold investor you buy when the numbers make sense now, the reason why you say you can't find a deal right now, probably, if I had to guess, is because you're what I call buying off the shelf. You're not actually knee-to-knee -knee 
uh, face-to-face with the seller, doing the kitchen table thing that Larry Tarbell teaches us, you're not doing any of that. You're probably looking on Zillow or you're looking on LoopNet or some other internet-based thing, Facebook, your email, some wholesaler sent stuff over to you. And you're using that as a way to really analyze what's going on in the marketplace. You're, you, well, I, that little house, they want 200000 for that little house that rents for seven fifty. Well, you're right. That's probably not a good investment strategy. However, folks, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. You have to be focusing on problems, not properties. Problems, not properties. And what by, when, I mean, when I say problems, I don't necessarily mean the ugly house. People have more problems than houses do, that I assure you. What I see a lot of right now is people spending time, they're, they're willing to buy anything just to get a deal. The mindset in the marketplace right now is that the sellers are doing them a favor by allowing them to buy their house, by allowing you to buy, the, buy their house. You feel as if the seller is doing you a favor. Real estate agents are caving, as big surprise. They're taking listings at reduced commissions, which, you know, it is what it is. If you're willing to work for less money, that's fine. Uh, I won't. But if you are, then, you know, it goes to show me how you're going to negotiate when it comes time to negotiate the price of my property. I digress. Folks, because we're in a seller's market, that's just a term, okay? That's a mindset that you can talk yourself out of. It's real simple. A property is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. I am here to tell you this again. A property is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. You can't get all caught up in, oh my gosh, if I don't get a deal, my head's going to explode. Or I have to buy this deal just to keep my crews working. They're going to raise interest rates. Oh, goodness, I better run to the bank and borrow money right today and just take any opportunity that comes along because the interest rates are going to go up one-eighth of a quarter of a tenth of a percent. Ladies and gentlemen, I guarantee you 90% of you that are going on about the interest rate hikes haven't even sat down to do the math on what that really equates to for you as the investor, as the buy-and-hold investor, the buy-and-hold girl, the buy-and-hold guy. Even a 1% increase in the interest rates, that just simply means you need to negotiate the acquisition a little harder, maybe negotiate the rent a little higher up on the back end. But at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, as a buy and hold investor, who is paying the mortgage? That's what I want to ask you. Who is paying that bill? You are so worked up about, oh my goodness, they're going to raise the interest rates. Who cares if they raise the interest rates? You're not paying the bill anyway. Somebody else is. That's the whole beauty of rental property. Now, if it's in your single-family home and you're buying at the top of the market and the interest rate's going up, you might have a little bit of an excuse to crow, but realistically, as a buy-and-hold investor, big deal. Focus on get negotiating great opportunities, finding opportunities and negotiating great deals. That's what you need to be focused on. Don't get all caught up in the, in the hoo-ha, what's going on in the marketplace right now. There's a lot of stupid people doing stupid things. The most dangerous thing right now is a cash buyer. Every time somebody says, I'm a cash buyer, I shake my head and go, not for long because you're going to be out of cash here real soon because you're probably going to get into a bidding war. And uh, there goes your money right out the window. 
ask yourself this. Are you one of those people that's trying like heck to buy something, anything just to get a deal? Are your offers getting outbid? Notice the word bid. Or worse, are your offers getting refused altogether? Ask yourself that question. Is that you? Have the realtors and the wholesalers become impossible to deal with? Are they making crazy demands asking you to waive inspections and contract contingencies? And some of them, they're even asking you to sign contracts that only favor the seller and not you. Ladies and gentlemen, do not fall for this. This is the time, you know, everybody's out there screaming, not my president, whatever. This is the time to say, you're not taking advantage of me. Don't buy out of desperation. Don't ever buy out of desperation. You will live to see another day if you don't get that house, that duplex, that mobile home park. Whatever it is you're buying, don't buy out of desperation. I'm starting to think that people feel like the real estate market are like those little funnels that you see on, on Facebook. It's like, you know, <laughs> if you buy in the next 30 seconds, you'll also get our free ebook on such and such. We're talking about widgets or gadgets versus houses, folks. Breathe easy. Stop for a second. I need you to just stop for a second. Take some deep breaths. As I said earlier, you've lived a long time without that investment property that you are about to overpay for. It's times like this I've got to remind you of why you're investing in the first place. And that should be to build wealth, to build cash flow, to mitigate tax obligations. These are all reasons. These are all whys. To put your kid through college, to put your grandson through college, if you're like me, to put your nephew and your daughters through college. You are smarter than being one of those people that is going to try to compete against the undereducated or the emotional investors. You're smarter than that. You cannot put yourself in a position where you are competing against the undereducated or the or emotional investors. Don't do it. You can't compete against people and plan on getting ahead. If you get into a bidding war... You're not going to win, even if you are the quote-unquote winning bidder. The only person that, that wins an auction is the, are the bidders who did not, who weren't the highest. That's who really wins. Think about that for a minute. Does anybody really win an auction? Does the winner, the quote-unquote winner of an auction, actually win the auction? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I, I just don't. I'm sorry. You know, the old-timers, they've always said, and this is true, very, very true, even still today. You make your money when you buy. I'm going to say it again. You make your money when you buy. That means if you buy wrong, the situation only tends to get worse. You have to pay for a property based on what it does do, not based on what it will do. I will give you an example. Let's say we're talking about a property that rents for... 1500 a month using my math, my criteria, I'm going to use the 1.5% hurdle rate. I'm going to take that $1,500 a month rent and I'm going to divide that by 1.5%. That means the most I can pay for that house is $100,000. That doesn't mean I can pay $125,000 because maybe it'll do $1,700 later because what I'm doing when that happens is I'm rewarding the landlord for something that hasn't even happened yet. 
That's like saying, hey, I'm going to make this two-bedroom a three-bedroom. I'm going to go ahead and pay the seller based on an appraisal of it being a three-bedroom, and then I'm going to spend twenty-five grand putting a three-bedroom on out of my own pocket. Do you see the logic in that? Does that make sense? you got to get to a position where you're not competing for deals. And people are saying, well, that's great, Tyler, but how do I do that? How do I get in that position? Well, first of all, stop focusing on what's for sale. Don't focus on what's for sale. Because when you focus on what's for sale, you've got, say it, say it with me, competition. You don't need competition. You should be focusing on properties with problems or whose owners are having problems because then, guess what? You don't have any competition because nobody knows it's for sale. Heck, the seller doesn't even know it's for sale. How sweet is that? You're actually out there negotiating on a property that nobody else knows for sale is for sale, including the seller. But you're going to have a conversation. You're going to solve their problem. The sale of the property, the offer you write solves their problem. Their problem has nothing to do with the house, let's say, but them selling the house to you solves their problem. So you have to spend time finding these problems. How you do that is you get out, you get away from Facebook, you step away from the laptop, you put down your cell phone, and you go talk to real people. You go hang out at Panera Bread and have a cup of coffee and, and listen to conversations. You go to Starbucks. You go to Dunkin' Donuts, your local coffee shop. You go out and buy a cash flow game, and you, you have some people come sit with you and play cash flow. And I bet you that if you host a cash flow game and you have four people sitting there, I bet you one of those four people knows somebody that has a, a problem that could be corrected by the sale of real estate. And if you're sitting down with those people, maybe you would be the person they would think of once they learn that you solve real estate-related problems. Think about that for a second. You have to look where everybody else is looking. If you are out trying to catch fish in a small pond and there's 40 other people fishing in the same pond, eventually the pond's going to run out of fish, won't it? But I bet you if you wander through the woods just a little bit, I bet you there's another pond out there that nobody else has discovered yet. And then you're the only one with your line in the water. I was at Panera Bread. I went and had Panera Bread for dinner tonight. And I was sitting there reading my book. And listening to just kind of conversations going around around me. It was loud there. And you're just hearing different people talk. There was all kinds of opportunities. So what I learned was there's a lady in Holiday is in the middle of a divorce who owns a duplex. How about that? She owns a duplex. She needs to sell it because she's getting a divorce. So I was able to have a conversation with her and we exchanged information and maybe we'll go, maybe we'll go buy it this week. Who knows? If not, maybe I can help her find somebody that is willing to buy it. Maybe we can solve her solution. And the reason is that she needs to sell it her and her husband both need to sell it because they just want to split the money and not have to deal with fighting with the tenants. That's their why. And they just, need, they just want it gone. It's that simple. So after that, I went to Starbucks to have a couple shots of espresso while I was at it. Finished reading my book, right? And then I hear some other people talking about a bar that's having some financial trouble in my town. And then a restaurant that's, that just closed up in my town that I didn't realize had just closed up. Well, there's two real estate-related opportunities I make a little note on the old iPhone 7 there. 
And these are things I'm going to have to check into. These are opportunities. These are potential leads. Of course, I'm in my town, right? And I'm out in public and where I know people. And one of the guys that was sitting there in Starbucks was a good friend of mine. And I had a great conversation with him. And we were over talking about real estate, of course, my favorite topic. And then somebody else overhears our conversation and comes over and starts talking to us. And lo and behold, another real estate opportunity presented itself right here in my town. One that's not for sale, that nobody knows is for sale or, or that probably will be sold here real soon. I'll fill you in later on that because a lot of my listeners are right here in my hometown. But there'll be some new opportunities coming, coming about. I've put the feelers out that I'm looking for a co-working space. Not because I need an office. I have an office. But I've discovered that there's a need for co-working spaces in my community. So now I'm looking for real estate to solve that problem. So I'm going to start talking to people that know other people so that maybe I can get into some situation where somebody is in some sort of trouble or they need to liquidate their building or they need to, they're simply looking for a tenant or maybe a better tenant or some sort of scenario like that where I can put a co-working space so I can provide to the community and the community, of course, will give back. So I want to tell you another story here. It's in, and I just spoke with a, a young kid a few years, a few days ago. Sorry. He was all excited about buying his first property. And this is a kid that, uh, I know him through Facebook. He's a member of the Cashflow guys community. Great kid. And by the way, if you haven't joined my Facebook group, it's absolutely free of charge. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. It's a Facebook community. It's free of charge. Come in there. I'm dropping all kinds of tutorials and lessons in there weekly. Um, lots of good stuff going on. It's absolutely free of charge. I'm doing some coaching in there and some mentorship. It's pretty awesome. I think you guys will have a good time and you'll enjoy it. You'll get something from it. I digress. But I spoke to this kid. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a good kid. He's in his mid-20s, kind of wide-eyed. You know, he was just tickled pink at the thought of being a real estate investor. I mean, that was the thing that just excited him to no end. So he rolled up his sleeves and this dude just dove in head first. He did all the right stuff, all the right steps. He spent time networking, learning, a lot of time investigating. He had a little bit of analysis paralysis, but we broke him out of that, right? And he decided to find, he found a property that he decided he wanted to buy a little duplex. And this young man, he's one of these kids that tends to restore your faith in humanity. He's just a great guy all the way around. He's not like your typical tw early 20s kid that's, you know, not paying attention to anything around him and, and, not too bright and makes you shake your head wondering, oh, good night, good night. These, these are the kids that are going to take care of us in our old age. This is a good kid. He's really a good kid. He's a great conversationalist. He's brilliant, a great sense of humor, just a good kid. Good, good. He must have had a good upbringing. He's just a fantastic kid. So I was happy. He, he asked if I would take a look at his deal that he had, and I, I was more than happy to help him on that. He's a good kid, and I like to give back whenever I can. So we dove in. You know, he did his homework. He negotiated a good price and got it under contract. Now, we went through the, we covered the specific closing procedures he should follow. I walked him through step by step to include working with the title company to clear a bunch of issues that we found with the title. Because what I told him was, go ahead and have a title search done with a municipal lien search and let's see what that looks like. And he did, and he had the title company do, I also told him to have a survey done. Uh, but he went and did, a, did, did the title search, municipal lien search. And lo and behold, 
when you did the municipaline search, there was a municipaline on there for a water bill that was several years past due, thousands of dollars in past due water bill. Also found out that the deed was not recorded properly uh, when it was sold two times ago. So these are things, ladies and gentlemen, when the deed is or the title to the property has issues that you need to address before you close. Now, any title issue can be fixed. But there's only basically two things that it takes to fix a title issue. It's time and money. So you can fix any pretty much anything goes wrong with title. If you can put either time or money or both into the situation, you can get them fixed. You hire an attorney. They solve the problems. Off you go. But you have to do it. I mean, it makes more sense to do it before you close because there are some things that can get really expensive to fix with title. For example, federal tax liens municipal liens, things like these can be costly if not caught early while somebody else still owns the property and dealt with accordingly. You know, we went through every step of it. I I told him it's absolutely critical that you get these issues cleared. No problem. He listened intently, took his copious notes. He was excited. I was excited. He's, He's barking on this journey. Now, during the discussions, about a week before closing, I suggested to him that he delay his closing until the title company could assure him that the title issues had been cleared. And the reason being is the title company was kind of dancing around like, oh, don't worry about it. And it's like, well, that's fine. Just make sure you get a marked up title commitment. And what that basically means is that the the title agent signs off on the exceptions on the uh, title commitment, stating that the issues have been corrected. Therefore, they will be covered by the title insurance. So... He started, the more he dug with the title company, the more the title company started to back up. And they're like, well, don't worry about it. We'll deal with that after closing. And immediately my red flags are waving big time. So I told him, I said, listen, unless they're willing to sign those things off and and remove those exceptions from the title insurance, you don't want to close on this property. Because if the title insurance will not cover when they make an exception on on an insurance commitment, a title insurance commitment, when they make these exceptions, that means that those items that are listed are not covered under the title insurance so there's an issue with them there will be no coverage with the title insurance that's a problem ladies and gents that's a problem so we didn't want to go down that road we wanted to make sure those issues were corrected so i suggested that he go ahead and and delay the closing i thought that would be smart it's basically the it was a seller financing deal the kid was putting some money down and the, the seller was apparently a mentor of his, or he claimed to be a mentor of his. So he trusted the seller. Mistake number one. I believe in trust but verify. Now he found out that the seller was actually behind on, on property taxes, that the water bill hadn't been paid. These are all things the seller conveniently left out. So closing day came and went, and I didn't hear from him for several days and I finally messaged him and said so how'd it go is congratulations in order did you delay the closing I had thought that he delayed it a week and I figured I waited a week and then I reached out to him and said how'd things go I was going to talk to him about next steps let's get you leased up it's in a different market than mine but I wanted to walk him through the steps of getting it leased up in the whole nine yards making sure he did some good analysis on the rental and all that well he messaged me to say that he closed on the property and the problem was is that he was embarrassed because he folded under pressure from the seller who claimed to be a mentor of his. Remember that he's you know says that he's a mentor. 
But the title company also pressured him, and so did the closing attorney, because they all just wanted to get the deal wrapped up, and they didn't want to hear him going through his due diligence. So he bought this property using a significant amount of his own cash as a down payment that has a bunch of title issues, the deed of which is in question, who actually owns it, because it was not properly transferred two transactions ago. The title is essentially a train wreck with this property, and he never actually had a survey done. So there's disputes over the boundary line of who owns what and where the property is. And all this boils down to being pressured, being pressured by himself, number one, and feeling pressure from society that he's got to get it done. And, well, I don't want to look uncool. I don't want to look like a jerk for saying, hey, you actually have to sell me a property that has a decent title on it. So he succumbed to the pressure. Now, unfortunately, stories like this are common in today's society. We want, need, expect instant gratification and are not willing to wait for errors to be corrected. This is dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. I can't begin to tell you how dangerous this is. You have to take the time to do your homework and you have to make sure that everything is done properly. It is your job as the investor to make sure that everything's done right. And that doesn't, that's, that doesn't mean that your agent, if, even if you have a real estate agent, you need to make sure they're doing their job. They did a survey recently. I go to this, my title company puts on this event called Be a Better Agent. And he packs, you know, 100, 200 agents in a room. Recently, he did a show of hands type thing. Show of hands, how many agents have ever read a title commitment? I think we had about eight hands go up in the room. Mine was one of them. But eight people out of 200, eight real estate agents have ever even read a title commitment. That's sad. That's sickening. That means the agents are, that means 192 agents are totally dropping the ball on their buyers. Totally dropping the ball. When you're buying property, make sure you've got good, clean, crisp title, especially if it's a foreclosure. Questions on that? Roll back to those episodes where I talked about those about foreclosures. You got to remember, let's review. I want to hit a couple bullet points before I leave you go. First of all, you will survive with that without that property if the deal does not go through. Understand that you will survive. I know you paid for a home inspection. I know you paid for an appraisal. That's 800 bucks. That's better than losing a lot more than that. It only gets worse if you continue, if you're not comfortable, if things don't, aren't done right, don't close. Wait until things close. And I know that the banks are getting cranky and the sellers are getting cranky and they're saying, well, if you don't close, we'll sell it to somebody else. Read your real estate contract. Use the state real estate contract or have, your, have an attorney review your contract. In there should be some language to give you the opportunity to extend the closing if the title issues, if there are title issues or boundary disputes or things like that that are not corrected, you should have the right to make sure, because there's, there's no guarantee unless it's in writing, make sure you have that contractual right written in there. Make sure that you're taking the steps to make sure that, that everything is the way it's supposed to be so you can say, hey, we have to extend closing because you haven't given me clear title yet. Make sure that's done. A real estate attorney... To, to add a clause like that in, if you choose to use a different contract than a state contracts, that's a couple hundred bucks. A couple hundred bucks will save you a couple thousand dollars. Okay? Cutting corners and due diligence, ladies and gentlemen, will always, always 
lead to financial loss. Don't cut corners in due diligence. Don't do it. You got to make sure you follow through with the due diligence. Remember, you make your money when you buy. That means that title issues need to be corrected before you buy. That means lending issues need to be corrected before you buy. That means don't agree to get gouged by financing. Only buy with good financing. Don't use those instant LLC loans, credit cards, hard money to buy rental property. Jimmy Napier said it best. A good deal can quickly become a bad deal with bad paper on it. Which means, basically, in a nutshell, don't agree to lousy financing. You will survive without this deal. I guarantee you'll survive. Because you didn't have this deal yesterday. And you were everything was just fine. Stepping into a bad deal is only going to make an uncomfortable situation ten times more uncomfortable. Lastly, ladies and gentlemen, be careful out there. Take the time to do the due diligence. Join my Facebook group, cashflowguys.com forward slash group. Takes you right over to my Facebook group. I'm right there to answer questions. My real estate attorney is, is in there to answer your questions. I've got syndication lawyers in there. I've got tax professionals in there. I've got everybody you need to get your deals done right there to answer your questions. Take advantage of it. It's there to help you. I appreciate you taking the time to spend with me this week. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great week and learn to earn. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.